0: But I want to share a very serious message tonight about protecting the the transgenerational vision or protecting the transgenerational legacy. I want to show you tonight, as we've continued from yesterday, and we ended by explaining how it it looks like in, in family lines and in family lineages, there are certain graces or inclinations that God gives to families. It's, it's a mission, it's a vision that's given to that family. That certain things seem to pass on from one generation to the next, that you find families that are characterized sometimes by certain careers. Maybe not everybody is in that career, but they have an inclination. You have a family of people who are educators, or people who are medical doctors, or people who are pastors. It's amazing even in our culture, it's like that. No, 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 they understand those things better than we do. Yeah, and it goes in families. Because it's not an unusual thing. There is a pattern of it in the Bible. Now, I'm not saying everybody in my family will be a pastor. But being a pastor runs in the family. I was having a discussion with my son this morning. And I was explaining to him, going as far back as my great-grandfather, that it, it runs in the family. I only knew late. I didn't know all along. However, Satan will always try to intercept that mission and corrupt it by getting people of a certain generation to yield to certain evil practices. But by the same token, when a lineage has been taken off course, when it has been derailed, God will raise a person in that lineage, as I'm going to show you, who will get their heart back, and somehow God will speak to them, God will deal with them, and as they obey God, God will will use them as a door. You know, Paul, when he spoke to the Philippian jailer, he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and you will be saved, you and your household. God doesn't leave your house behind. When, 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 when God sent Peter to the house of Cornelius, a man who was given alms to God and who prayed always, he, he wasn't a Christian, he wasn't a Jew, you know, he was a Gentile, but his heart was soft towards God, and, and he gravitated towards God. Please don't look down upon it when your heart is gravitating towards God. When you somehow in your family, you are this one. You, you, when it comes to Ntotsamudimu, you are moving in that direction. And when God saw this, he sent Peter, not to Cornelius, but to his household. And when Peter came, he didn't preach to one man. He preached to the whole house. And Cornelius and his house got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because God is a transgenerational God. Tell your neighbor, God is a transgenerational God. <laughs> so our failure to understand this transgenerational working of God makes us to disconnect generations. Generations. We disconnect what we do from the next generation. We don't realize how what we do affects the unborn people. We don't understand how our sacrifices, we may never live to reap the fruit of those sacrifices, but the fruit of our sacrifices will be reaped by the people who are following. We showed you yesterday how, you know, when when Abraham gave a tithe, you know, to Abimelech, you know, an unborn child in his belly gave a tithe. And he gave a tithe through Abraham because God is transgenerational in nature. So we need tonight to understand why it matters that we protect. We protect the assignment that God has given to our lineage. And protect this transgenerational vision that you become the man and the woman who will say we are not going to be deterred. We're not going to be detoured. We're not going to go off course. And if it is that the family has gone off course, you say, God, may the renewal start with me. Amen. And tonight, towards the end, I'm going to pray a very powerful prophetic prayer of bringing people back on course. So we learned that when God gives a vision, also we noted that the manifestation of that vision as well seems to happen several generations later. We saw how Abraham in Genesis 12 and Genesis 17, when God gave him a promise, he didn't live to see certain things about that promise. Now remember, when God spoke to Abraham, he knew that certain sides of that promise will only come to pass 400 years later. But remember what we said on Monday, because God is an everlasting God. Because he is Olam Olam. The God outside of time, he, he doesn't dissect life and disconnect generations. Your life is a continuum in His eyes. And generations are connected. So we've learned, therefore, how vision can be passed from one generation to the other. And the passing of the baton of vision should be from one generation to the next. For many of us, pastors who are here today in the kind of churches we are leading, that's our big prayer. That these ministries that we're leading, will be passed on to the next generation. That the, the day we're not on this earth, these churches are not going to close down. And God needs to give us the grace to navigate that space properly and to do it well. And that's why you young people, you've got to buy in God's mission and start serving God and, and, and you need to respond to the call of God in your life. That's why we've got to have young pastors come over here and preach once we are here. And we train them and we send them and that they become our Elishas, and they become our, our, our Joshua's, and they become our Timothy's, who not only learn our preaching, but they learn our heart, and they get our spirit, and they understand our commitment. And, and just like Joshua learned how to be in the presence of God as he watched Moses go into the presence of God, that they learn the spiritual disciplines that we carry. So that's important. So God's therefore in his dealings and working. You can always trace it transgenerationally. We read 2 Timothy 1.5. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that first dwelt in your grandmother, Louis. And in your mother, Eunice. And now I'm sure that the same faith dwells in you. It's transgenerational. The message Bible says that precious memory triggers another. Your honest faith. And what a rich faith it is. Handed down from your grandmother, Louis, to your mother, Eunice, and now to you. There is a handing down. There's a handing down of faith. There's a handing down of values. There's a handing down of mission. There's a handing down of vision. Why? Because we are interconnected as generations. So it's possible for us, therefore, when we look at legacy, to look at it as the planting of a tree. So it's possible for us today to begin planting a family tree that will produce and become a legacy of righteousness because the blessings are generational. Let me show you something about the Hebrew fathers. We've talked about them, but I want to show you a certain pattern that's very interesting. Four generations of Hebrew fathers that prove the existence of the generational blessings. We talked about it, but I want to show you another side of it today. Number one, we see how Abram was touched by God. He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't a Jew, by the way. He was an Iraqi, worshipping the moon God. But when he had an encounter with God, he followed God. Mamela la mazelan. In following God, he, was, he planted the seeds of the spiritual family tree. This is important. Your obedience to God, you are planting seeds of a spiritual family tree. So we see Abraham chasing God's vision for him with nothing else but just a promise that he would be given a son. So Abram becomes what I want to call A spiritual trailblazer I believe I'm looking at spiritual trailblazers here tonight I believe we have spiritual trailblazers Watching from everywhere around the world So he becomes the spiritual trailblazer Why? Because he got new lands He dug new wells He built new herds He followed God he learned who God was, fellowship with God. And then when the time came and he wanted a wife for his child Isaac, he sends Eliezer. Now watch this. We read in Genesis twenty-four thirty-five. when the servant went to go and look for a bride for Abraham's son Isaac, this is what he says when he gets there. He says, the Lord has greatly blessed my master so that he has become rich. I want you to know the language. And he has given him flocks and heads and, and silver and gold and servants and maids and camels and donkeys. Wow. So Abraham was the first one through whom these things happened. Now watch this. So here we see, we move to the next one. His son, Isaac. Isaac follows in his father's footsteps. When Abraham died, Isaac not only received his father's physical inheritance, but he receives his father's spiritual blessings and God's covenant and that transgenerational mandate. So Isaac then gets the second measure of the blessing. Later when the servant of Isaac talks about Isaac, listen what the servant says. Compare it with what Abraham said about, what Eliezer said about Abraham. Talking about Isaac, who is Abraham's son. This is what his servant says about him. He sa- it says, And the Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become a great man, and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold men's servants. This is Abraham's servant when he was talking to Eliezer. However, speaking of Isaac, this is what God says about Isaac. He says, it says, And the man worked great, and went forward until he and grew until he became very great. So here we go. His father was great, but he is very great. Are you not getting it? Isaac reaped the harvest of his father's obedience. His father was great. He was very great. So Isaac, therefore, sowed in the land, and the Bible tells us when he sowed in the land, he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. His father never experienced hundredfold when he was sowing. But he is... Oh, Baselana, am I talking to somebody in this house? It says in Genesis twenty-six, twelve. Now Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. So what's happening? We see how in this blessing it becomes incremental. It gets stronger as it gets passed to the next generation. Like I showed you yesterday. You remember, in the case of, 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 of Timothy, eh? uh, his, his grandmother, Louis, uh, the, and then the mother, Eunice, but now Timothy, who is the son now, not only is he a believer, he is also a preacher as well. So the grandmother might have just been a churchgoer. The mother might have been a child, but the son, not only, he becomes a preacher as well. There's an incremental, you're not hearing what I'm saying. That's why we must keep what God is doing in our lineage and not allow it to get corrupted. Because it, it, it gets better. It gets better. I was listening to a preacher today and my goodness, was I jealous? I'm sorry I've confessed it. it was I jealous? This man, Abu, uh, I don't know how many of you know Phil Mansay. Some of you know Phil Mansay. You know. In his family, you can trace back to his great-grandfather, preachers. Serious. And on this particular city I was listening to, he was he was going to be traveling to see his grandparents who were somewhere, I think, in the Ukraine somewhere doing mission work. I mean, really? He's going on holiday to see them do mission work. And then he says, after that, we're gonna come together, all of us with my brothers, and we're all gonna be singing as a gospel band. Just the man says. So it's just a family bazalan. You have a root. May God grant you that blessing. Are ah, you, Mister Place? You see, you are not saying Amen. May God grant you that blessing as well. I'm not saying you have a routine. I'm saying even in other things, where the family. One of the things we're trying to do is to pick the pick the pieces of the family together and bring the families together. I said, May God grant you the grace in your family. Then Isaac gets two children, Jacob and Esau. Jacob, one of Isaac's sons, he now grows the family tree and it branches out. So when Isaac was dying, he started thinking about Esau and Jacob. This is in Genesis 27. Allow me, I want not read some of these scriptures, please. I want to go somewhere. But this is what he says to him in verse 28, 29. Now may God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth, And the abundance of grain and new wine. And may people serve you. And nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be the one who curses you, and blessed be the one who blesses you. So Jacob receives that word, works hard, stays loyal. Even though he, his thought was not well. And I want to show you that. Today, this really hit me hard when I was reading this. To realize, you know, none of these people was perfect. Everybody has got their issues. Just like me. i got my own issues. Mara, in spite of our issues, in spite of your issues. You Listen to what I'm saying to you. In spite of your failures, in spite of your shortcomings. If you will try your best to stay loyal and faithful to God, that when you make a mistake, you get up and focus again. Olam, Olam, the eternal God will bring to pass what he said about you and what he said about your family. If you believe that, give the Lord a big shout because that's going to happen in your life. That's going to happen in your life. Yeah. So Jacob, even if when he started, I mean at birth, he was holding on to his brother's heel. The name meant cheat, hill grabber. Who wronged But we don't stay wrong forever. No, no, we don't stay crooked forever. If we if we if we come into the presence of God, God changes our nature from Jacob to Israel. Can I hear an amen in the house? So Jacob received the word, worked hard, stayed loyal. Watch this. Even though he was mistreated, listen. He stayed focused on what he wanted, stayed under a special generational covenant blessing that was conveyed by Isaac. In Genesis twenty-seven, twenty-seven says, he says, so he came close and kissed him. And when he smelled the smell of his garments, he blessed him and said, see the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. So the brother gets blessed, then he in turn gets 12 sons between two women Rachel and Leah now watch this the incremental nature Abraham had one son I mean his own son we know he had Ishmael but I'm talking about with his own covenant wife Isaac had two sons Jacob had 12 sons do you see this thing increasing I said do you see this thing increasing I said do you see this thing increasing increasing?" that's so why we've, we've got to keep it within our generation. We must keep it inside. It, it mustn't leave. It mustn't get corrupted. Because even if there are things that I may not see as the first generation, but my children will see them and maybe my children's children will see them. Abraham struggled and get, got only one child. Isaac had problems, got two kids. And my goodness, you see, it gets better. Jacob got 12 kids. We're not even talking about Esau. The next generation then protected the spiritual family tree. And we see from that generation a guy by the name of Joseph, one of Jacob's children that he loved. When famine fell in the land, watch this, Barcelona. When famine fell in the land and it was going to wipe out the entire lineage, God moved ahead of time and knew that he must position Joseph. <laughs> place Joseph in the right land that will have enough food to sustain the family. When Joseph was going through all of that, he didn't understand what is going on. Some of the things, we only understand them in hindsight. While you are going through the trouble that you're going through and the pain that you're going through and you don't understand that what you saw on your knees doesn't match the practicality of what you're experiencing right now. What Joseph remembers is that he saw a dream, how his family is going to serve him. But his experience was so contradictory to the dream that he had. But then his family came to Egypt. And I'm fast-tracking. By the time Jacob's family left Egypt, the Bible tells us there were 1.5 million
1: people.
0: (laughs) 1.5. Yeah, from a guy who couldn't get a child. 1.5 million people, and then they carried the Egyptians' gold and silver out with them. Psalms 105.37 says, he brought them out with silver and gold, and among his tribe there was none of them who stumbled. But then we move to the fourth generation, the generation of Moses and Joshua. Watch this, Basalana. The fourth generation is unique because it will determine if their legacy continues or dies. I want to show you this, Baselana. I'm going to show you this. So far we've seen through the three generations things have been going well. The people have not been perfect. I'm going to show you at the end. But at least they tried. But the fourth generation's problem started. I want to show you. We read about the fourth generation, Moses and Joshua and the elders. But then we read a very disturbing thing in Judges chapter 2 verse 10. In that generation It says all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, talking about Bo, 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 Bo Joshua, Bo, Moses, and Bo, Abraham, Lebo, Mama. But then it says, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord. Nor yet work, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. It's easy to lose people who are born in what God is working. Born in church, raised in church. If we're not conscientious and if we will not sensitize ourselves and be proactive, we can have our kids here who warm the benches but do not buy into the God we serve. arose another generation. They did he know God. They didn't know his works. Now note, interestingly that in spite of that, when God makes a covenant with a person or a nation, he has a long-term range. He's a long-term planner, a long-term thinker. His covenant is multigenerational in nature. This is what he says. In Genesis 9-9, he says, now behold, this is when he was talking back then, At the beginning, he says, Behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you. He's talking to Noah. And your descendants after you. So in this instance, he's saying, I'm establishing my covenant with you and your descendants. So that's two generations. But then in Psalms 128 verse 6, he says, Indeed, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. So he says, the promise I'm making is to your children and your children's children. So this is three generations. In other words, the promise I'm making is with you, with your children, and your children's children. So it's going to the third generation. When I read this, I then realized, Baruti, please. Men of God, women of God, I didn't know this. Probably you saw it. Even the sermon that Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, when he was talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's quite interesting to see that now there, the promise It's not even to the third or the fourth generation. It's for all generations that are to come. When he was preaching, talking about the Holy Spirit, he says, For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So this promise is a continual blessings extending to many generations. It's interesting when you read the Bible, David had a revelation of this. How God's promises are multi-generational and they even extend forever. Not only to the third or fourth generation, they extend forever. In Psalms 105 verse 8 to 10, this is what he says. He says, he has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded oh, to a thousand generations. Hey, Basalan, God wants to reach to the generations that are not even, you are not even thinking about them. You won't be there. I mean, you, we will all be dust out there. Down in the grave will be dust. But all the way down to the thousands of generations, God wants to keep that legacy going on. Wow. And he has committed himself that I will keep that covenant. When you won't be there on the earth, but I will make sure if that generation will respond, if that generation will listen to me, I will make sure that even a thousand generations down the line, it will still be alive. says he will keep his commandment with a thousand generations. Verse 9, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac. And confirm the same unto Jacob for a law, and to Israel, note, for an everlasting covenant. Now, this being true, we need then to note, we must find a way to close the door to the corruption that wants to come into the family lineage. Because the devil knows he can't stop what God's going to do, but if he can't stop it, he'll corrupt it. See, one of the things that the devil does is he knows he can't stop certain things. It's almost like when he makes us as Christians to get off course. He doesn't stop you from serving God. He just gets you to start believing strange things. Yeah. Pastor Ray likes to say that. He say, talks about destruction. When you are distracted, you go, course eight. You're busy, you're doing everything, but you course eight. So you're on a road, you're going in the wrong direction, but you're very busy. So if Satan can't stop it he's going to corrupt it. No bazala. So we know that from the beginning from Abraham there's been a multi-generational blessings and much as the preceding generations were not perfect certain practices at least they dealt with them but certain practices they didn't do but some of the wrong things they tried to correct. However this is what I find very interesting and You'll help me as theologians, pastors, you help me. I've just never understood God's relationship with David. Eh? I, 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 I read it and I read what David did. I just can't understand. But now I'm beginning to understand that because David understood the multigenerational nature of God and Mamela, in his heart, his heart was towards God. In spite of all his issues, God still said he's a man after my own heart. But when you study properly, you know that in David's lineage, in David's time, things went very wrong. And I want to show you. Those things that brought corruption to the family lineage seeped in during the time of David. And things happened during, in his lineage that in generations before they did happen but on a small measure. But in David's time, things really got out of head. The same way when families start turning away from God. Yeah. When, when, when people who are serving God, turn away. You know, I see sometimes with all, some of our young people, or some of the guys who were raised in church here. When they get to a certain stage, they just turn. And I remember when they came here, their parents brought them here and they were going through a lot of issues. But the minute they got better, the minute they got their degree, the minute they become wiser, the minute they got married, some of them, the minute they started being boss who, they just turned. What did I say? What did I say? Suhu. I'm sorry. I I wasn't intending to say that. I don't know how that came out. I think that's a prophetic word. (laughs) Suhu. And I watched them and I thought, your parent who was the first generation was trying. You are the second generation. This thing should go further. But you've allowed corruption. Like I showed you yesterday, Satan will fight you hard to inject that virus because he wants to stop your generation from coming back to the right route. So you gotta put up a fight. I'm gonna share some story with you at the end here. That's gonna really, really move your heart. You have to fight hard. Oh, you have, you have to fight, sure. You have to fight it. Oh. Okay, David knew how much favor was in the covenant blessing, however, Even though he was a man after God's own heart, he was a flawed guy. He opened a door of infecting the lineage and tempering with the transgenerational mandate. Number one, by having an affair with a married woman by the name of Bathsheba. We read it in 2 Samuel chapter 1. He got the man's wife killed by the name of Uriah. And what David did that day, Bazelon, he didn't realize that one act That one act on that foolish day when you had your guard down. In that moment of weakness, when you were not thinking straight. And you said, No, I'll just do it only this once. And sometimes things that we do only this once turn the rest of our life around just like one. I know, Rona, when we grew up as young people, and I'll be as broad as possible. I know people we grew up with in the Lord, and there's a time when God really visited us powerfully as young people, we were filled with the Holy Ghost, we were whatever and whatever and I remember there was this lady very powerful and very strong in the Lord, just the one time, one time, this girl was living right, but she just allowed one time just in a state of foolishness, just one time was with this guy, first time she ever had sex, got pregnant on that day and just that one time turned her life around just that one time thank God she's come back to her feet, but by goodness did she have a rough time I remember I was thinking about it. Some of our young people here in church. Some of the bright young people. Some of them, you know, I relate with lots of young people. Some of them so spiritually strong. Just the one time of foolishness. Just the one time. See, Joseph understood that when Potiphar's wife caught at him.
1: <laughs> we
0: are two consenting adults. We are already above the age of 18. No one can tell us. Yeah, my husband's not here. Nobody will know. It's just between us. You didn't come to me. I came to you. So I won't say anything. Just just the one time. And Joseph realized just this one time. If he had done that, the whole nation of Israel, some of you don't realize the whole nation of Israel would have never ever survived. Just that one time. We don't understand how we can infect an entire generation. We don't think about it. So, here is David with Beersheba. From that time, the virus of the dysfunctional family was injected. And now, later, we read, and I'm fast forwarding, he has a son by the name of Adonijah. He's the fourth of the six sons that's born to David when he was in Hebron. You find that in 2 Samuel 3 4. But Adonijah caused a family feud. And on two occasions, he attempted to hijack the rulership from his father by making himself king. And now, a very rocky relationship begins with David and his sons. And then Amnon, the eldest son of David, rapes his half-sister, Tamar. Yeah. And then he incurs the wrath of Absalom, who was Tamar's full brother. And Absalom, for two years, plans to kill Amnon. It just started with David's foolishness one night. I want a woman bathing who was not his wife. It doesn't seem so big. It's a small thing. But there's a generational mission and vision That hangs in the balance. May you not be that man or that woman. May God be gracious to us. That we be not that person. That's going to change the whole trajectory of our family lineage. And by the way, if we have done something foolish, God will forgive us. We're going to pray about that tonight. But here we are now, we're having people watching one another. Sons coming after their father. Then Absalom, in 2 Samuel 15, he starts rebellion. He wants to take David's throne. What's this though? In spite of all this dysfunction, David knew that God keeps his promises. And he writes in Psalms 89, verse 34, he says, my covenant, talk about God, my covenant I will not violate nor will I alter the utterances of my lips. You know, this is what I'm saying. We do right, but my goodness, we depend so much on the mercy of God. Because we've got issues. Sometimes we're not faithful, but God is faithful. Sometimes right, but God does not. And God is committed to what he wants to do through your family lineage. And God will do it. If if we will turn from our wrong and come to God with a contrite spirit and a humble heart. And David writes in Psalms 105 verse 8, he has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Now let me fast track. 86 years later after David died, one of his descendants by the name of Abijam becomes king. 86 years later. I want to show you this. And in 1 Kings 15, verse 3 and 4, it says about Abijam, he walked in all the sins of his father which he had committed before him. And his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God like the heart of his father David. Though David had issues, his heart was right before God. And it's amazing when the Bible writes about him, it makes David a reference point. Because God wants you to understand the the transgenerational connection that is there. But note verse 4. It says, but for David's sake, the Lord... For David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamb in Jerusalem to raise up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem for David's sake. And then 156 years later after David died, then there's a man by the name of Jehoram. The story gets repeated with Jehoram. In 2 Kings 8, 18, it reads, he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, just as the house of Ahab had done. For the daughter of Ahab became his wife and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. But then, 300 years later, Hezekiah came. 300 years later. Hezekiah decided not to follow on to the evil pattern of his own father. His father Ahab who went before him had given the kingdom over to idolatry. But when Hezekiah came in as a king, he intercepted what his dad had done. It says in 2 Kings 18.4, Hezekiah's father had given the kingdom over to idolatry, but upon this occasion to the throne, Hezekiah decisively, watch this now, and courageously initiated religious reform. That's what that verse is talking about. Hezekiah decisively and courageously initiated religious reform. Reconnecting with our generational mandate needs decisiveness and courage. It means you must be willing not to be liked by some people. You must be willing to lose friends. You must be willing to relate with a different crowd and to locate yourself in a different environment that's going to feed your vision. Yeah. Then watch this. When Hezekiah, Hezekiah was sick unto death, the prophet Isaiah came to him with these words from the Lord. I want to read it. Such a powerful thing. 2 Kings chapter 20 from verse 1. I'm reading the New American Standard Bible. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill. And Isaiah, the prophet of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your, heart in order, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, I love this, verse 3, Remember, remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, How I, I walk before you in truth and with a whole heart, and I have done what is good in your eyes, in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it came about, before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him saying, return and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, the God of your father David, the God of your father David, God is pulling back, God is connecting back to the, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. And on the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. Verse 6. And I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you and this city from the hand of King Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. God goes back to generations. May you be that one in your generation that God will use as a reference point and say, for the sake of mountain God, see, I'm going to do this. For the sake of Shmangala, I'm going to do this. For the sake of Musa, I'm going to do this. May you be that person. May you be that person. Then Isaiah, verse 7 said, take a cake of figs and they took and laid it on the boil and he recovered. Looks like God can't just stop talking about David. Not because he was always good or right, but because when God speaks covenant, he's talking about everlasting covenant. God cannot help it but run to rescue your lineage because of one person who will make the right decision and reconnect to the multi-generational mandate. Hezekiah changed something that had gone wrong over 300 years. I'm wondering if I'm not looking at somebody here who's going to change something that has gone wrong for hundreds and hundreds of years. See, our God is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God, and he's committed to bring to pass that which he said in your generation watch. He must bring it to pass because when God gives a promise and when he assigns your generation something and he said it's going to happen, he's going to keep his word. Now it's quite interesting, Bethlehem. God spoke in Genesis that Jesus would be born. And it's interesting when you read the genealogy of Jesus, you find all kinds of people there who had all kinds of flaws. <laughs> But God is committed to his promise. Alam, yes. alam. The everlasting God. The God who told you what's going to happen in your... He knew you'd have flaws. He will knew, knew you're going to do wrong. He knew you're going to go into certain things. But God, for the sake of his word, and for the sake of his covenant, he's going to keep what he said. Yes. As long as he can find somebody who can say, let it be corrected through me and let it restart through me and let me be the trailblazer of my generation. He said it in Genesis. The seed of woman. He said, you will bite his heel, but he will bruise your head. And he was already talking about the coming of Christ. So when Matthew 1, when Matthew talks about Christ, he goes back, inz And traces back his family lineage. And it's interesting when you go back into the family lineage of Jesus, you find all kinds of people. Some with issues. Mara, Jesus was born anyhow. In the same way, God's mandate for your generation will be born anyhow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me take you there. Let me take you there. When you read the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, there are names of different people. Interesting. Male and female. Jew and Gentile. Wow. Different spiritual journeys. You read about Abraham. You know how on Obaizitea. Isaac, it? Jacob. What about Rahab? The sex worker. Can you believe that Jesus owns up to a family lineage that has a sex worker? He's not embarrassed by it. It's not taken out of the Bible. Because this girl who was a sex worker, when she came in contact with God, she mended her ways. Come on now you see that's the difference when you come to God when you mend your ways God God, God doesn't mind how you started God is just looking at how you're going to move on from where you are you may have things in the past that you are ashamed about but if you will make right with God God knows how to turn things around we read about Ruth Jesse David Zorobabel Eliezer, all these men and women had their own issues. But God remained true to his multi-generational vision. And in spite of them, Jesus was born. Listen how Galatians 4.4 4 talks about it. It says, and when the fullness of time had come, <laughs> God brought forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. There's nothing that beats God's fullness of time. God is bigger than our mistakes. God is bigger than our faults. God is bigger than our faults. God is bigger than our sin. God is bigger than our unfaithfulness. God is bigger than that but when he talks to us when we turn back to him and say god i missed it i'm sorry i shouldn't have done that god picks us up again and he starts where he left off and he moves on i see god starting where he left off with your family it may have been years in your family when certain things happen, it may have been years when you saw a sober person, it may have been years when you saw anybody not having children in wedlock but getting children out of wedlock. It may have been years having seen anybody in your family who's not an alcoholic, who's not a drug addict, or single kids or fetan skolo, or pilang hansi. It may be years, but I'm looking at people here who are trailblazers. God wants to start with you, God wants to reconnect what. your mother failed and your father failed and your uncle failed and your great-grandmother failed, it doesn't mean God's mandate has been cancelled. It doesn't mean God's assignment has been cancelled. It doesn't mean God's assignment and God's touch on your generational lineage has changed. God didn't change his mind what he wants to do through your family. God wants to pick it up here tonight. Can I hear an amen in the house? Oh yeah. And tonight is the night where we reconnect where it's where it's told we are coming back tonight spiritually we are rebooting we are reconnecting we are recalculating we are going back to the path that God set forth for our fathers and our great grandfathers and our mothers, our great grandmothers. What God had predestined for the lineage of Son no, will be done in the name of Jesus, and it will be fulfilled in the name of Jesus. Tonight we are recalculated. We have a spiritual C tonight who is saying, Recalculated, we are going back. We're going back. We're going back. How do we turn it around? Let me close. That multi-generational vision worked finally because there were people who when the lineage got corrupted, they rose up through the promptings of the spirit of God. Could have been through something they read, been through going to church, it could be through a sermon like this. You come to a time when you, 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 you wake up. Yeah. Like my grandmother says, and you say, yeah. I was thinking about it at home, you know. I was listening to Reinhard Bonnke, the last message he preached, by the way, before he passed. It's is so sad when I watched that. And and, as he was talking, I don't know, I was listening to him, but I was thinking about something else and I, just for a while, I don't know. It was not the same when he was preaching. I was thinking about the prodigal son. You know, after he had gone off track, disconnected from his lineage, ends up eating with pigs. That's what happens when you disconnect with your purpose. You eat with pigs. But the Bible says, he came to himself. Oh, I feel tonight we are coming to ourselves. He came to himself. And Uto Aring. When he came to himself, this is what he says. I like the way it says it. He says, he said, I will arise. You see, see, so when you come to yourself, you don't blame other people. Are you listening to what I'm saying? When you come to yourself, no. And when you come to yourself. You, you pick yourself up. He says, I, I. Says, it's a self initiated action. I, 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 I will. It's a willingness. I'm willing. I will arise. And I will go. Let tonight be the night where you arise. For the sake of your family lineage. The destiny of your family, Wanako Hangs on you. I don't know if you are aware. I don't know if you are aware. I watch some of you. I know many people in church. Some of you think I get it saved. I know you. I know your families. I know your backgrounds. As a pastor, I pray for you. Because when I'm praying, I'm saying to myself, I wonder if this person understands the size of mandate that's on their shoulders. I wonder if they have a sense of understanding what is at stake. Because God is trying to initiate a reconnection to the mandate. And I say, I wonder if these people understand the battle that lies ahead and the demonic strongholds that they're going to have to fight. I wonder if they understand how they have to be like Joseph. How they have to use the word no, 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 no. I'm not going to just say no. I'm not going to relate with those people. No. I'm not going to drink. No. I'm not going to smoke. No. I'm not going to go with that crowd. No. I'm not going to stop going to church. No. I'm not going to stop living a holy life. No. Some of you, I look for you. I know there's people here. I know there's some people who come in our church. They come from other ministries as well. And I know some of them one on one. I look at them and I and I see how in that church they they really would love for you to be the one to be used by God to inject something. I pray for you that you will understand your mandate. Yeah. With this testimony. And I'm going to pray. It's only now when I'm older that I'm starting to understand somehow. The reason why it just always happened that. Particularly in my schooling days. I always had friends. Whose background was so different to mine. As a child, I didn't understand that. I always had to. It's only later that, you know, when, you, when you're in a background where things are okay, you take it for granted that it's okay for everybody. <laughs> and in my own youthfulness and childishness, I think I did hurt my friends unknowingly. But I remember when I was praying about this, one day God just brought back all my friends Most of them, as far back as primary school, almost all my friends, most of them just came from dysfunctional homes. And and we would talk, but the one friend that sticked out the most, and when I was praying, I felt the Lord say, I must share this with you. We were now older, and I happened to have been with them in a situation where we were together enough to share a lot of conversations at the peak of our lives or rather at the critical times of our lives and this friend of mine one day told me how he he was really struggling because he'd never had any relationship with his dad. Finally, he did find his dad and tried to reconnect with the dad and the dad wouldn't relate with him, really rejected him. I remember his dad, when he was sick in hospital and was about to die, I remember we... We were in conversation and talked, and he said he went to his father's deathbed. Still asked him, why do you hate me so much? What have I done? But even in the last stages of his life, the father wouldn't say anything. And I remember having to discuss with this man and how he became friends with my dad. And one day told me how just the conversations with my dad helped him to at least receive the love of a father that he never got. Let's spend hours with my dad, hours and hours. And then, we move on and we get to the tam- time when we get married. And, and I noted this man's challenges and struggle, but the one thing I loved the most was his determination to be that person who will turn things around. As I speak, married, beautiful family runs a powerful church his son is in the ministry with him (laughs) and as I was thinking I thought to myself Satan comes in our lives and he thinks he has dealt us a blow that we will never recover from but Satan is a liar When I've watched this, the struggles of this friend of mine, the many seasons and the ups and the downs, I say, you know what, God, I'm glad this man stayed committed. Secondly, if it is that in your lineage, you, you became the weak link Instead of you carrying that over your head and allowing it to destroy you, let's put it to rest tonight. All right. Whatever we've done is not evil enough not to be redeemed by our God. Whatever we've done, the blood of Jesus is able to reach out Way further than any of our wrongs. Andrew Crouch sang a song. He looked beyond my faults. And he saw my need. Jimmy Sawgat sang. Mercy. Rewrote my life. watch. That's why when they, when they talk about God, not only do they say he's a covenant-making God, they say he's a, messi- he's a covenant-making God and he is a merciful God. Because he has to be merciful. Because we make mistakes. He's got to be merciful to us. Because otherwise what he said in our lives and about our families can be cancelled out by our own human weakness. But tonight, I want us to bring those areas before God. Whatever it is that you know is a weak link. Maybe some of you, you feel embarrassed, hurt, discouraged by what you did that has cost your family. I wasn't saying that for you to be condemned. I was saying that for you to understand the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus. Yeah. That through the same family of David who had faults, Abraham who had faults, Isaac, Jacob who had faults, all the people in the lineage of Jesus, they had issues. But the change maker. Was the blood of Christ. And tonight. We can bring all that before God. And say God. I'm understanding what's at stake. This weak link. I bring before you. Forgive me for it. And cleanse it. Bow your heads please with me everybody.
1: Oh the blood. Of Jesus Oh The blood Of Jesus Oh The blood Of Jesus It washes My Say it again. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Whatever
0: wrong, whatever said. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Doesn't matter how many years ago. Oh, oh the blood
1: of Jesus. oh Jesus here was oh Jesus I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus.
0: are you thankful tonight Jesus. say it to God I'm thankful If it was not for that blood, our stain would be there forever. I'm thankful. If we blew it once, that would be the end of it. But because of that blood, that washes.
1: It washes.
0: Just pray right now and just bring your needs before God as the instruments are playing in the background. Talk to God with passion tonight.
1: Ma eleber ya to remarko sotto. Shira maroba da baba contro sotto. Tornar manum banda la baba 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 satta da baba. Brondo roboko robra Karabara bando bre 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 le
0: the word of God says if you confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness father we bring our disobedience before you we bring our uncalculated actions before you things that we did in our own humanness in the weakness of the moment at the spare of the moment, things that we allowed into our lives, things that we allowed, oh God, and somehow these things came and they disturbed the rhythm and the pattern of what you wanted to do. But we want to thank you for the blood of Jesus. We want to thank you for the blood that cleanses and removes all manner of wrong, all manner of sins. We know that the blood of bulls and goats could not even cleanse sin forever. It had to be offered every year, year in and year out just to appease the the wrath of a holy God. But the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ is able to cleanse, it's able to remove, it's able to remit all sins. That there is no trace whatsoever. There's no sign of anything that happened. There is no show of anything that happened there is no history of anything that happened oh God we are men and women who have flaws we have our own mistakes we do things that don't please you we do things that are not in line with your will we walk in a way that doesn't give honor to your name sometimes and we come back from our ways and we we turn from our, our ways, oh God, and we turn our hearts on you and we arise and we walk towards you and we say we receive your forgiveness, we receive your grace, we receive your mercy, we receive your kindness. Thank you for the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, Lord, we want to receive and appropriate your forgiveness. You said if you confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for the cleansing. Thank you for the cleansing that comes from the blood of Jesus. Thank you that not only is our wrong canceled, not only is our sin forgiven, but even our conscience has been purged from dead works. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done today. We want to receive your promise in the name of Jesus. And now, Father, we rise again to reclaim what rightfully belongs to our generation. We rise again to take back that which has belongs to our generation. You are the God who is restarting. You are the God who is setting us back on course again. It doesn't matter how many years our generation and our family line has been off course. Your blood and your forgiveness and your power is able to stretch even onto all those other years. And tonight as we pray, we are reconnecting with your purpose for our family line in the name of Jesus. We are reconnecting with what you want to do for our family line in the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's join our hands together, please, as we pray. Join your hands. Join your hands. Just stand on your feet all over the place as we pray. We're going to pray tonight. We're going to pray. Don't stop praying. Now listen to me. Listen to this, Bazalana. This is what I want to ask you. If it is that you're out there, And maybe you feel ashamed. You you know, something happened in your life that you feel like, you know, I've opened a door for my lineage. And if I hadn't done this, certain things wouldn't have come about. I just want you to bring that before God silently where you are and just say, Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus for being that open door. Tonight, I repent of my wrong. Say that in your heart. I repent of my wrong." I repent of my sin and I receive your forgiveness. And now I declare I will not allow the spirit of condemnation to dog me, to follow me. I've been forgiven. I have been cleansed. I receive my forgiveness now. And I want everybody to pray and say with me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I bring my family, I bring my lineage, before you the mandate that you had for my family line I bring it before you right now in the name of Jesus what you started what you have promised will never be blocked by any satanic power even my own acts of foolishness where I was unwise you've forgiven me You have cleansed me and now you are restarting your generational mandate in the name of Jesus. Join hands with your neighbor and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost all over the place. Pray in the Holy Ghost. That's right. The power of the Lord is here. That's right. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. That's right. The anointing of God is here tonight. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Let God reset your generational pattern. Let God put you back on his path again. That which he predestined for your lineage. That which he predestined for your life. Let God reset it. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost all over the place. Even the churches that are streaming. And as you pray, receive the anointing of the Lord upon your life. Receive the anointing of the Lord upon your life. Receive boldness to stand for what is right. To stand for what is true. Receive the courage to say, I will arise. To face up to things that haven't gone right. To rise up and go and correct and do what is right. Receive the boldness and the anointing to confront what is wrong. Receive the strength and the anointing to say no to that which is trying to take you off course. Pray in the Holy Ghost tonight. Pray in the Holy Ghost tonight. Rabalabako, cobressa caraba babo Chata la baria tababra Rabalabaria capa bressa tabaros bressa carabarabando bresta balabaria Brahma numre brabalaba laba kura prefer mena kalde des seter tar torra brava mena brava mena kalde dosite koraba ramandomre fela pareya laba ro telama nomba siete lebe keke lebo boriando. There's the anointing. There's the anointing. There's the anointing. Receive on behalf of your family. Receive on behalf of your lineage. The power of God that moves you forward. The impartation of the Holy Ghost that moves you forward. To restart things that have been stuck for many years. To reconnect a family lineage that has been disconnected for many years. That the light will be greater than the darkness. That the grace of God will be greater than the failures. That the power of God will be stronger than the evil. That the anointing will be stronger than the presence of evil. That the right will prevail more than wrong. That the ways of God will supersede the ways of the evil one. Oh, that the anointing will strengthen you. That the anointing will rest upon you. That generational curses will be removed. Generational curses will be cancelled. Generational curses will be obliterated. Generational curses will be deleted. Generational curses will be totally reversed. That even the loss that you've suffered as a family, that God will make up on that loss. That God will restore and renew what you have lost. Say it with me, Heavenly Father Thank you tonight That you have set my generational lineage Back On the path of your purpose As for me And my house we will serve the Lord. We will fulfill what you have called us for. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The anointing that envelopes me. I know it is not by might. It is not by power. But it is by the Spirit of God. Say it with me. Father, I am determined. To be that person in my lineage who will be a trailblazer in Jesus' name. If you believe that, give the Lord a big shout. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Thank you, Jesus. As I was praying, I was just in my heart of hearts just thinking I can't wait to see what's going to be happening in generations to come yeah even the unborn generations are going to benefit from these prayers here in this place and from the commitment that you have made be that trailblazer say, it starts with me. Evil stops with me. The works of God start with me. I am the trailblazer. How many of you? How many of you? uh, Why don't you go to to covenant people, eight people, give them a high five and say, you know what? I am the trailblazer. I am the trailblazer. I am the trailblazer. I am the trailblazer. Yeah, I am the trailblazer. I'm the one who's going to protect my, my generational legacy. Go to another age. Tell them I'm the one who's going to protect my... Do it as a prophetic act. I'm the one who's going to protect my generational legacy. Yeah, all the evil things and the wrong things stop with me. Tell them I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one. I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one. Come on if you believe you're the one. I'm the one. I'm the one, I'm the one. I'm the one. Yeah. I am the Hezekiah, I'm the one. Hey. I am the Josiah, I am the one the one. I'm the one. I'm the one. It is through my love that God is going to press the reset button. I am the one. Yay! The the, the series from heaven is talking to me and saying, recalculating. I am the one. I'm getting back on the path. I am the one. Come on, if you believe that, just make the devil nervous. I am the one. I am the one the one hey, I am the one Clara, I am the one 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 so you have to raise the battle another notch and raise your determination another notch you know what is at stake now. Yeah. You know what's at stake now. You know why you have to fight the way you fight. Can I hear an amen in the house? Give the Lord another big hand as you pray. Amen. amen.